Due to the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised. Big Was here from Fly in the Wall podcast, uh, and you'll notice that there's a very vacant space next to me. I know you can see. I know you're watching. I know you enjoy it too. You fucking voyeuristic people. Um, Just Luke isn't here with me at the moment. That's okay though. He's here with us in spirit. Uh, we've had a bit of a. It's been a bit of a crazy week so far this week, and it's already Wednesday, and we haven't caught up for the podcast. So we do like to try and be fairly consistent, that word doesn't really, it's not synonymous with us both um, in a lot of ways, but at the same time I think we've done okay with podcasting in most, I think most weeks. Um, so we probably have a little bit of a multi-segmented uh, episode this time. And I was just sitting here pondering uh, what I would like to talk about. And the thing that's actually, I mean, it's, it's been a bit of a, it's crazy week, like I said. There's been a lot of things happening, a few appointments and things like that. First thing I want to say, it's a little bit heavier, but at the same time, I think, you know, you learn things about yourself all the time. Sometimes it's quiet reflection. Sometimes it's uh, it's a bit more of a smack in the face. Sometimes it's a rude awakening, you know, whatever you want to use as a phrase to describe it. This has probably been a wake-up call, um, and look, I've had a, I've, I'll just go straight into it. I've had this persistent kind of sore on my nose for a little while. Um, I was sort of on the bridge, you know, where you wear your glasses and you often get like a cushion sore or something like that. Well, I think that's how this one would have started, and I think that that's where I was content to leave it. It's like, oh, it's just a sore. It's in a, a nagging spot, so you tend to touch it all the time. It's got infected, blah, blah, blah. Downplayed it. Now, I've had it there for, it's got to be half the year. Um, and I think that, it, I can't even tell you how many times, firstly, Luke has brought it up and said, so have you been to the doctor? Right? <laughs> um, probably my parents, uh, my, probably my brother, I think my uh, my beloved. Everyone's probably said at different times, are you going to get that looked at? You should book the doctor and have that, get that looked at. You should probably have that looked at. Now, for whatever reason, you know, it's very easy to make excuses, normally on behalf of yourself. We're quick to take our kids to the doctor. We're quick to act on things that they need because... I don't know. That's important, you know. I, I think it's uh, maybe, I don't speak for everybody, but I think for a lot of people, you put yourself and you put your own health needs sometimes secondary or even later in the queue. You know, you think, oh, well, I feel all right. Like, I'm doing okay. There's other bigger things going on. Fuck it. I'm not going to worry. Um, and I guess this is the thing. Bit of a smack in the face. I did end up going to the doctor for a, it was for another reason primarily, but it was like, all right, well, I may as well ask about my nose. Um, and she sent me immediately to to get that assessed as being, you know, a a cancer, you know, a skin cancer. 
And that's basically what it looks like it is, like a, a bar, I can't think what it is, carcinoma. So they say, you know, it's a, I guess it's a common one. Uh, it's an easy enough removal and it's, it's easy enough like that, but it's close to the tear duct and um, it, it could be a bit of a tricky thing. You've got to get a plastic surgeon involved, all this sort of stuff. And without harping on about the actual nature of it, I guess, um, the reminder is that, you know what, if someone close to you brings it up and says, hey, um, you know, that thing, you know, that third fucking head you've got, have <laughs> you had that looked at? Um, you know, that extra fucking finger that started growing out of your nipple, like, are you going to actually have that looked at? All jokes aside, you probably should take their advice. And it's it happened in the past for me. And it took a bit of a scare to actually go and get something done. Whereas people had already said to me, I think, you know, maybe just go to the doctor and, you know, have a talk to them or tell them how you're feeling or whatever. And it can be, firstly, it can be embarrassing. It can feel like you're, I don't know, you feel like you're weak or something. I don't feel like I've got a problem. I go to the doctor. Um, and I think that's the thing. I don't think it's ever a weak thing. You're only go, that's what they're there for. You go to the doctor, you get someone to check you. So all I would say, and no one has to take my advice, but I'm just saying from experience in this case now, it's, it's often proved to be what should have happened already, you know? So if you even, if it glances in your mind and then you make an excuse not to go, you probably should just go reorganize your thoughts and say, you know what? Yeah, I'll go. I'll fucking, I'll book it in for a Saturday morning. I'll book it in for, you know, as early as I can, but, you know, on a Friday or something, take the rest of a Friday off. Just do it, guys, because, you know, sometimes it might just help you. It might just sort it out. It might sort it out before it becomes a more serious problem. And, uh, you know, we don't want any of our listeners... Uh, getting unwell or, you know, letting things go. You've got to look after yourself, people. Just like you'd look after the people you care about, you've got to look after yourself too. Because ain't no one else is going to push you and make you do it. Well, they might eventually, but yeah, they're going to have to incapacitate you first. You don't want that. Anyway, that's my community service message for today, only based on my own experiences. Do what you like, but please, you know, please heed it because, yeah, that's, that's from a sincere place. Um, the second thing, that I thought I would talk about is I've been pondering the last few days on a movie I saw the other day. Now, Luke and I were harping on about Prey because Prey is a fantastic movie, uh, the Predator prequel that has just recently come out, sadly, only on streaming services. Um, and I think it's well, well and truly worthy of a cinematic release. You know, maybe that's something that can be looked at, you know, as a remastered version or, a, you know, a re-release or I don't know if it gets enough momentum. But anyway, you look at it, it was a fantastic movie. It had all the right ingredients. It was a, it was epic, but it was intimate. It was cool, but it was like a historic thing. Like, I don't know, it had a little bit of everything for, for everybody that likes that sort of thing. It was just fantastic. Definitely the movie of the year so far. And I think I said it on last episode, it's probably the best new movie I've seen um, since, like, Fury Road. And it was a fantastic experience. Really loved it. Who was to know that it would be closely followed up by Blade Runner 2047? 
I was just, uh, it was a very quiet evening uh, the other evening and my beloved and my youngest girls were away for the weekend. Um, and so I did have a very quiet spot in my night where I was like, all right, well, what am I going to have a look at? And I'd not been very keen on watching the Blade Runner sequel uh, because as much as I respect the original release, I respect it. I know what it's done for the sci-fi genre, uh, for filmmaking, for effects, for also cyberpunk as a, as a genre as well. And I guess the aesthetic that it brought so people then can visualize oh wow yes that dirty grimy futuristic noir setting it, i don't know everything about its look and feel and um atmosphere is fantastic it's a great feeling movie uh but maybe the story and the way the, the plotting is a little ponderous a little slow i remember trying it uh, it was probably a few years ago now and it just doesn't suck you in like some other movies do. And maybe that's a, a change in perception over the years. Maybe it's just the subject matter. Maybe it's some of the dialogue. I'm not sure what it was. But it just wasn't one of those movies that really grabs you and holds you in. It's just a visual thing for me, like a visual feast, you know. Now, I, So I wasn't keen on watching 2047 based on that kind of idea. Anyway... I chose it. I thought, you know what, I should give it a go. It's a long watch, but what else am I going to do? I may as well, may as well give it a try. So I did. And I've got to say, from what I remember of the original, from the few times that I've seen it, a handful of times over the years, this had all of the elements that made that visually striking, atmospheric, um, a really awesome portrayal of the sort of near, nearish future. Um, the tech works, the scene, the scenery, the cityscapes, um, the the overall vibe that it gives off. Everything works about it and ties into the first one beautifully. But it's on a grander scale. Uh, it's I guess it's updated. It's brought into a new generation. And you have, uh, I, I feel, a much more engaging story that still uses elements of the first one and then wraps it with a new a new plot and new story and new characters and everything like that. Now I can't remember necessarily all of the specifics to go through the the subplot because I will get it wrong. I guarantee that part. Uh, but Ryan Gosling was really great. He's a replicant like enforcer or blade runner called K and he hunts down these replicants uh, as Harrison Ford's character Deckard did in the original Blade Runner, um, and puts them out of commission, you know, retires them. Uh, and uh, Anna de Armas, I th uh, Anna de Armas, I think that's her name. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not sure. Cuban actress or Cuban Spanish actress uh, is his vir like virtual AI girlfriend, uh, who originally is kind of. Uh, she has to be. She's restricted to his apartment because of the technology, and then he buys a, like a like a portable projection unit. So she's able to then somewhat experience an outdoor environment or go with him to places. And I like. Firstly, I liked her portrayal of the girlfriend, uh, Joy. 
I think her name is. And but I really liked also the way that they handled it. It was actually a very touching relationship, even though she's a an AI virtual girlfriend. Like there's there's obvious limitation limitations there. But I felt that it was handled really well, both from Gosling's character's perspective and uh, Anna de Armas's perspective. I felt that they acted that really, really well. Um, also, Deckard pops up again, and I think that they didn't overuse Harrison, which I think is good, given that I think he's a lead, he'll always be a leading man, but I, I think it was good to bring in a new lead character and have him as a supporting character to thicken up the story, you know? Um, and, look, I'm not a fan of Jared uh, Leto or Leto or whatever they call him. <laughs> but, look, he, he played an interesting role. He's, like, the person who heads up the Tyrrell Corporation who make these replicants, um, and he's blind. And I was reading some stuff about he wore contacts uh, onto set you know, and he'd stay like that all the time. So he would have to learn his way around or his whole body movements would reflect the fact that he couldn't see while he was doing these scenes. So an interesting person to work with, to say the least. And I suppose it, it has its own sense of intrigue and it would probably, I don't know, it would help other people maybe act as well when you have this person who's so committed to the craft. I'm just not a fan of him, but I felt that this role was good. It was unique and not big enough to irritate me too much. So that was good as well. Um, what else was there? There was uh, Jenny from <laughs> Forrest Gump. I can't think of her name at the moment, which is terrible because I can never think of these things in the moment. But she was fantastic as well, actually. I felt that she was like a, his immediate superior in the LAPD, Kay's immediate superior. And she was pretty cold. She had a really cold-hearted, uh, dismissive approach to replicants, but to him, to his role, you know, to their place in society, I suppose. Um, who else was in it? There was... That big guy who's in Avengers, Dave Bautista. He's been great. He's had some bit parts in a lot of little things over the years. And I think he's good. I think he, he has just the right amount of presence and, dare I say it, acting chops to pull it off. Um, first few times, I think I saw him in something early days and I thought, yeah, he's just a bit of a brute. But um, the... He was good in this. He was like a, a an older replicant variant at the start, but it was a good role. And so there were lots of these great roles sort of peppered throughout, and I felt that tied together with with everything, with the, the amazing sets design and model designs, the spinner, the police cars that they, they actually had in the original as well, but like this is a you know an updated version. Everything was fantastic. The music was great. It was evocative of the uh, Vangelis soundtrack from the first one. But it was, yeah, it was like an update while still using similar cues. It was really great. I, um, The whole thing was very visually arresting, very, it filled your ears with the soundtrack. Um, you didn't want to look away because every shot was very well composed. And yeah, I found it to be probably a very, very close second behind Prey. 
which I'm a little surprised that I'm saying, but I just found it that engaging that uh, that's how I felt about it. So I wanted to share that with you. I hope you don't mind indulging me on that one. Um, and I'm going to go for a break and I'll be back with more. <sighs> Hello, I'm back again. Welcome back to Fly on the Wall Podcast. This is episode 174. <laughs> I think. Uh, I'm pretty sure it is actually. Last week it was uh, 173. I know it's a surprise to you. And we did Mafia Part 1. Now, our original plan would have been, of course, to follow up that immensely well-received episode with the highly anticipated and awaited episode two, part two of Mafia. Uh, and that's still going to be something that we do uh, in a follow-up episode, probably next week's, uh, when we've had a bit more time to put it all together and actually catch up with one another. That's a key part of the Mafia episode. Luke and I need to be looking at each other so I can see the cold, dead assassin um, expression in his face as he tells me all about um, the mafia rising in America uh, during Prohibition, etc., and whatever the hell I'm going to bring to the table. <laughs> um, but yes, so join us next week for hopefully what will be Mafia Part 2, uh, which was a request of my oldest son, Matthew. He wanted to hear all about it. So hopefully, mate, you can bear with this episode and enjoy next week's episode. I'm sure you will. Um and for now, I was pondering what to discuss next with you fine people. What it was is another thing that, I, you know, I have those things where I get lost in my own thought tangents. Does anyone else do that? And then I was thinking about what our listeners who, you know, I'm, are from various parts of the world, various corners of the globe, you're all from. And over the weekend, I did mention that I had some time to myself and I realized how hard it is for me when I have weekend time by myself. It's not a very usual thing, or if it is alone, it's because I've gone out to get something. I've gone out to pick this up or organize this, or, you know, there's a purpose for it. There's always some kind of purpose, even if it's not a, like a key thing, like a central thing to, to work out. Um, but this particular one, it was a pretty miserable weekend overall as well. We're you know, pretty much still in the middle of winter and there wasn't much else happening. Everyone's had you know, the cold or a flu and feeling pretty average, which I was no exception. And you know, other than watching a movie... I find myself sitting there kind of twiddling my thumbs a little, thinking, oh, what can I do? You end up cleaning the house a little bit, <laughs> make sure the kitchen's tidy for the 18th time. I know some people don't struggle with, with nothing to do. They're quite happy just to be able to sit, chill. You know, they look at their phone, they watch some TV, read a book, do some drawing. You know, some people are easily, excuse me, some people are easily motivated by having time available to them. And everyone wants time available to them. I'm sure no one is happy to have every minute of their day like accounted for. Everyone wants to feel like I've got, you know, 30 minutes to myself at the end. I've got an hour in the middle of the day here. I've got an hour before I would go to sleep, you know, where I can just switch off and do whatever. 
Um, and I was thinking about what that would mean to our listeners, you know, wherever you are on, on the planet, what it means to have time to yourself, what you do with it. Like you, you might live alone. So essentially that is your time alone. You know, you have that time to yourself all the time. So is it the same? Do you appreciate it the same way or do you, oh, I won't say pine, do you want to socialise more? Does that is that what happens instead? Do you end up actually catching up with people all the time? Do you always want to talk to someone online or do you video call family or do you go and actually visit them or just go out, you know, go to a park or a cafe or a bar or a restaurant and more kind of randomly talk to people? And just be social, just sort of involve yourself in people. Um, whereas, you know, other people might have large families or they might always be with somebody. You know, you might be a carer for someone. You might, um, you know, obviously you might be married. You might have a partner. You might have a girlfriend, boyfriend that you, you're with all the time. You might have kids who are solely dependent on you. If you've got a baby, you know, your time's going to take all different shapes and forms and types. And... I was just pondering it. I thought, well, obviously there's some time there to listen to a podcast, for example. And thank you for doing so. Thank you for choosing to use your time to listen to this podcast. It's definitely appreciated because time is a valuable it's it, it is a uh, tongue twisting tonight. It's a valuable commodity that we shouldn't take lightly. It is a precious thing. Look at me being all philosophical today. Um but yeah, to invest your time in listening to a podcast uh, or yeah, watching something, spending it with people, what do you choose to do? You know, maybe you just maybe people like to meditate. Um, I've never, I don't think I could say that I've ever really tried it. In particular, I don't think I've ever tried to focus in on that lack of movement and closing my eyes while I'm awake and sort of getting visual pictures and I'd probably fall asleep. You know, that's what I would do even sitting up. But, you know, I know that works for some people, that that working through a meditation process. It helps them wind down, helps them release some of the stresses of the day or the week. Um, talking to people, you know, and, and whether that's just shooting the shit, as we say, or if it's a serious, like, down to uh, down to the real core of it, conversation you like to do that you like to spare all the chitter chatter and get right down to the core of it if there's something going on you deal with it um and i'm talking about i guess i'm talking about spending time but at the same time it's the nature of what you choose to do with it you know that i don't know i find interesting um you might go for a lot of walks. I think that's something I always like the idea of in my head. Like, yeah, I'd like to go for this hike. I'd like to go see this mountain, walk this trail, see this river, this gorge, you know, and there's plenty of beautiful places in Victoria. And I'm sure there's beautiful places anywhere you go or interesting places, visually um, interesting places, even if you're in the middle of the city or <clears throat> somewhere, I don't know, some industrial area or somewhere where maybe it's not exactly photogenic, but it's it's interesting. There's something to see. You know, it's like when I used to be on the train to go to TAFE, which is like a schooling that you, it's a bit like college, but it's like you go to after high school if you want, or you can go at any point. Um, you would, you people watch, you know, you go on the train and you just watch people going through their day. You, you just see what they're doing, you know, that commute 
could make it just it exposes you to so much as you kind of travel through it. And I'm not a fan of, of public transport, and I'm not a fan of being in that environment. But you do kind of succumb to its intrigue. Um, like when Luke and I went to Sydney when we were younger fellows, and we sort of we went through Kings Cross, which is a you know it's famous for being Sydney's red light district. And the more that we were there, and we just, we didn't do anything. We just moved throughout it. We checked things out. We walked down a lot of stuff. We did go into some of the clubs. We didn't really find it particularly uh, enticing in that way. But what we did find was that there was something about it that gets into your system and you don't find it so shocking anymore. After a few hours there, you find it, I don't know, it's like a little microcosm a little world of its own it's always the lights are always on there's always somebody around there's always something happening and so spending that time in that place where you know so many places around you know shut down goes right down to street lights there's no one around it kind of gets a little bit unsettling when you know it's just the the odd street light on and someone standing on a dark corner well it wasn't like that you know there was always something going on even first thing in the morning six or seven o'clock and we walked down to get some breakfast and it was still stuff going on. You just think, wow, it's kind of sad, but in its own way, welcoming. And I've forgotten what the tangent, the fuck that I was on at the moment. But I guess, yeah, talking about just what you do with time is <laughs> traveling through the crazy shit that we see. I really am rambling, aren't I? Fucking hell. I've used the word stream of consciousness a few times in the last couple of days, and I think that's what I've been doing. Um, and that's okay. Do you ever do that yourself? I think I get the, the, I get the comfort, I get the privilege of being able to do a stream of conscience, consciousness and record it. I don't find it hard to speak like that when once I start going you know once I start speaking I don't mind just spilling my thoughts out like that um, but I know other people probably well, you struggle to start or you struggle to think anyone's listening which that's how I feel but I, I push through that feeling and just start but I find even when I've been alone in the car I will have conversations with myself out loud maybe that's first sign of insanity but in some ways I think it helps if you're feeling bottled up about something or if you're feeling like uncertain about something or you know like let's say you've got to do you've actually got to have a hard conversation with an employee at work or a co-worker or your boss or Somebody, you know, like I attend these centres and you, you sometimes have to have a tricky conversation. Someone has an attitude with you. You don't want to be abrupt. So you kind of have that conversation prior um, out loud. Well, that's what I do. And that helps you form the right sentences, get a bit of an idea. It's like a dry run and then off you go. You go and try and give it a go. There's every chance not a word of that will come back to you. But, you know, maybe a key part of it or a key point that you've said at the time, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. That, that was a really good point. I'm going to do that again. Um, might come back to you at the right moment and you think, oh, that's good. I'm glad I did that little revision in the car. I think that's what I'm like. I think I do that a lot. And I think that that's where sometimes these solo 
segments in a podcast episode aren't so bad. Sometimes I've really struggled with talking about something. And so I end up just giving this stream of consciousness. And and that's probably talking it up. There's probably a big name for something that's absolutely not that. A stream of consciousness is probably something more akin to, yeah, like a meditation where you're really talking about existential stuff like your breathing and your blood flow and your heart rhythm and your your REM when you're half asleep and your brain activity and talking about deep, sort of deep buried uh, memories of, you know, times and places and people from the past and the future and all this sort of stuff. Um, that probably matches that title a little bit more, but, um, you know, I'm going to give it version B, version C, <laughs> the rest of them. Um, but yeah, I guess when I think about you guys as listeners, that's sometimes what I think because we have a genuine interest in what, what you're feeling, what you're thinking, uh, how your days and weeks are going. Uh, Luke and I actually, we do give a shit and we would love to hear from you. Um, and you can tell pretty much when we jokingly say you can tell us anything, I think that's what we're inviting. We want you to. If you feel like being uh, silly, ridiculous, uh, nonsensical, a little bit politically incorrect, completely in- incorrect, <laughs> uh, offensive, polite and, you know, or engaging, informative, ask a question, tell us an interesting piece of information, whatever it is, I think that's where our interest comes from. It's it's just knowing what's going on in your heads and your minds day to day. Because as you can tell, there, there tends to be a lot going on in uh, Luke and my brains so even maybe not in our day-to-day life, you know, I guess they're like everyone else's. We're all, we're all working hard. We're all trying to look after our kids and families and, and I guess provide and, and do all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, in the background of everything, there's always those thoughts going on. It's like, think of this. Oh, what's, what's happening here? Oh, I wish I could try this. Why don't I research this weird, strange topic? And it all clutters together and sometimes you forget about it forever and certain things stick and you find yourself always coming back to you. You're like, oh, yeah, I really enjoyed reading about blah, whatever that strange piece of historical <laughs> story was or whatever uh, that thing about the Australian Constitution I never realised. That's not true because I'm really not a political mind at all. But, yeah, you know, something that keeps coming you back as a, as a common interest or as a common thing, the common theme that you always enjoy. Why do we like the things we like? Why do you like collecting CDs still, you know, when it's it's the music streaming age? Why do you like vinyl compared to any of those? I mean, people always say, yeah, it's the sound. Some people like the art because you get a bigger piece, you get a bigger thing to look at, something physical and attractive. You can hang it on your wall, you can frame it. Some people might just like that, that, yeah, that physical item. It's vinyl looks nicer. It looks like it's been made, like it's been crafted. Um, I don't know, but I mean, that's just one example, of course. Some people don't want to read an e-book. 
They want to read a book. They want pages. They want them dog-eared. They want them bent. And they want the cover to be a little bit worn out, the spine to be cracking. Because then they feel different about what they're doing. They feel different about the reading experience. Why is that? Humans are a fascinating creature and far more complex than you know I could ever <laughs> express in words. Um, but yeah, please feel free to let us know because I think what my point was going to be was a great little segue to giving you our contact details. So you may email us, the fly on the wall podcast, one one at gmail.com. Uh, the Instagram, of which Luke is normally the uh, the head of that, is fly on the wall podcast one one, and you put an underscore between fly on the wall podcast, and then the one one at the end does not have an underscore. And then on Twitter, it's at fly on the wall p o one. Look. We aren't probably one of our failings, and this is why we don't necessarily have thousands of listeners. Uh, I think if our online presence was a little more aware, <laughs> we probably would. We're, we're a bit patchy, you know. We don't, we, you know, TikTok, I guess, would make all the difference. Filming it, doing it as a YouTube video, if you cross all the platforms, yeah, I'm sure it would up the audience. Luke and I aren't really sort of, we don't dig all that stuff, you know. You'll see Luke, he does a little vlog occasionally and has a chat and a bit of a random, you know, reflection on the episode or maybe a prelude to the episode. He'll tell you his thoughts on some old guy who's just seen walking naked down the street holding a pair of roller skates. That's, he likes to do that and I think that that's quite funny. I always get a bit of a tickle out of that as well. I don't do that. <laughs> In fact, I do precious little. Occasionally, I I will push uh, on Twitter uh, when people ask. But there's a lot of people that say podcast recommendations. But you know what? I think the enriching thing, and and this is what the point was before. People who are listening already, you know, we appreciate and respect all of you already. But you're who we want to hear from. You know, yes, I love new listeners. That's great, but. I, I'm much more interested in hearing from – it still is recording. I'm just checking. <laughs> I'm much more interested in hearing from people who have listened for a while, enjoying it, you know. And if you're new, tell us why it grabbed you, you know. Tell us why you came back for the second time. Uh, let us know. Let us know. And, you know, if you don't feel like saying much at all, that's fair enough too. You can absolutely feel that way, but we'd love for you to rate, review us if you can. I think it's mainly on the Apple podcast where you can actually leave reviews and star ratings, but pop your review in there, you know, even just the star rating if you're feeling motivated. It definitely makes a difference, and I I guess it pops us up in whatever the recommended and algorithms that it has there. Uh, yeah, basically, we're getting you guys to do the work that we can't be bothered to do in our own promotional style. No, 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 not at all. But we do we do really appreciate any feedback and any stuff at all. Like, that's what gives us fuel to come back and, and deal with stuff. So please feel free to get in touch. And, yeah, I'll be back shortly with final thoughts. It's the Fly on the Wall motherfucking podcast. G'day guys, Luke here, Fly on the Wall podcast, obviously. It's a cold, windy 
might even say blustery night here. I'm inside the house, not in the cabin tonight. And uh, earlier on today, I was pondering what I could offer up as far as um, my part in episode 174. And I was thinking, what am I going to do this evening? I thought, oh, yeah, I could probably watch the movie Prey again for the second time. And then it hit me. I could basically talk about the movie Prey. I know Big Was and I touched on it um, in last week's episode, uh, just before we got stuck into part one of the Mafia trilogy. Um, but I don't know. I guess I, I guess I want to do a deeper dive. Um, I just finished watching it for the second time then, about two minutes ago. Um, yeah, and I just thought I could talk about that movie every day. So why not make it official, put it on the podcast, um, but please be warned, this time it's heavy with spoilers. Last week we sort of skirted around the, a lot of it, but, but tonight it's, I'm talking about everything to do with it. So <laughs> if you haven't seen it and you really want to see it, then maybe switch off and that's okay. I won't even know that you have switched off and I will not be offended, I promise you. Um, not sure if uh, Big was mentioned in his first half of the uh, podcast in this episode. Um, but yeah, we're not doing Mafia Part 2 this week. Um, it's been a week, let's just say. It's been a bit of a week. So, uh, and we've been un unable to um, sort of get together this week and sort out the podcast together, I suppose. Hopefully, next week, episode 175, we can get back on track and offer up Part 2 of the Mafia trilogy. I'm really looking forward to doing it. So um, yeah, fingers crossed we can get stuck into it next week. But yeah, as for now, let's talk Prey. In case you've been living under a rock, I'll give you the quick uh, synopsis on the movie Prey 2022. A skilled Comanche warrior protects her tribe from a highly evolved alien predator that hunts humans for sport fighting against wilderness, dangerous colonizers, and this mysterious creature to keep her people safe. The movie Prey, uh, it's the newest entry, I guess, into the uh, Predator franchise. And look, I've got to say, the, the franchise as a whole, I haven't loved. Um, obviously, the very first Predator movie, 1987, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, was, was fantastic, is fantastic, and forever will be absolutely fantastic. I cannot fault that movie. Maybe there's a lot of nostalgia involved because it was one of the first sort of action sci-fi slash horror movies I'd ever seen, um, and, but really what's not to like about it. Then you had Predator 2. Now, I guess I didn't really appreciate that until much later in life. Big Was has always been a fan of Predator 2. Um, I think when I first saw it as a young fella, I compared it too much to the first one. And the first one was very much on point for me. It was, you know, soldiers, it was in the jungle, it was lots of guns and explosions and all that kind of thing. Whereas uh, the setting for number two was, uh, was it LA? like, you know, sort of the rougher areas of LA, I think, from memory. Um, 
And yeah, it just didn't quite appeal. It was a suburban setting, I suppose. Um, and it didn't quite grab me as much as the first one. And I guess that's always sort of stuck with me. But as an older gentleman, I have come to really, really appreciate it. And I do love it. And what's not to love about that one too, really? It's just a completely different setting, much like Prey. Um, then some years later, it was, you know, Predator 2 was in the early 90s, I think. And then we had Predators, uh, which was um, 2010. I mean, before that, we had the two Alien versus Predator movies. To be honest, I never really got into those. I think I watched half of the first one and then kind of gave up on it. And then when the next one came out, I didn't even bother. Maybe I should. I don't know. Maybe... You can email me the fly on the wall podcast one one at gmail dot com um, to to plead your case as to why I should watch both of them properly. But yeah, I don't know. I liked the concept. I liked the idea of it. I liked the the fact that it was drawing on two very different alien species and and throwing them together and all that kind of stuff. That that no issue with the idea, but it just didn't. You know, like I said, the first half of the first one is just left me sitting there going, what, like, why? This is silly, you know? Anyway, um, but Predators, the 2010 one with, uh, oh, what's his name, Adrian Bodie, um, I enjoyed that one. I think for me, <laughs> it was a throwback to the 1987 movie, uh, slightly different, but they're in the jungle. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. There was something about it I, I found quite cool, and I suppose the anticipation as well was was a big part of it because I'd waited since, you know, Predator 2 really for the next instalment. Um, so I was super pumped and I went to the cinema and saw it and all that kind of thing. And I did, I did enjoy it, but it's not one I've revisited. Um, yeah, not much at all. The next one to come out was The Predator. They really... Um, <laughs> really expanded on the title, didn't they? Um, that was 2018. Um, I got, I've got to say, two-thirds in, I gave up. It just left me very cold. I wasn't um, invested in the characters. I didn't really care what happened to them in the end. It just, it was really lacking the thrill of Predator, Predator 2, and to a lesser extent, Predators. There was just, it was, it was nothing there. It was just, it was like a, an empty husk. <laughs> yeah, it just, there was no depth to it. And, and it, I, I don't think I'm alone in that feeling. I think lots of people, from what I've read in articles and stuff, it was, it didn't do too well at the cinemas. Um, it was a little bit of a flop. Um, there was a lot of anticipation, as there always are for, you know, the big franchises, franchise movies. Um, and it just didn't deliver, you know. Maybe I'll revisit it again one day, but, yeah, for now, I'm, I'm kind of done with it. Um, <laughs> so, in a way, when I first heard about this new movie, Prey, um, 2022, um, I was, I guess I was curious straight away. I was, I was, something in me was excited. The little boy in me was excited and hopeful and thinking, 
could it be <laughs> the savior to the franchise? Could it be something similar to the 1987 movie, the original? Um, I read a little bit, a bit about it um, and was sort of like, okay. And it kind of just crept up on me. I didn't really know anything about it. And, and then I started to read little bits here and there. Um, a bit of the plot line, but not too much, to be honest. And I kind of got distracted, sort of didn't think about it. Um, and then until uh, Big Was and I actually watched the trailer on, on one of the episodes of the podcast some, some time back. And yeah, that little boy excitement, <laughs> it started to really kick up a few notches, you know. Um, <laughs> I, But as, uh, as an older man from learning from experience you get excited about so many movies and then they often are a letdown your expectations are too high maybe you know but you're also by the time you're in your 40s like me 43 you're also desensitized to a lot of the new stuff that comes out you go yeah i've seen that before it's just a rehash of this movie or yep special effects are cool and that was a good kill but nothing i haven't really seen before so as much as that, <laughs> the little boy in me was excited, I was also the adult part of me, if you will, uh, was keeping myself in check and thinking, mate, don't get too excited because you've been let down many, many times before <laughs> with movies. <clears throat> um, anyway, so I found out it was going to be on Hulu, the streaming service, and I thought, yep, I'm just going to get a seven-day trial or a month trial or whatever it was of that particular streaming for service and just to watch Prey because I was, I, I still was excited to give it a, a red hot go. Um, then sat down whenever it was a couple of weeks ago now and uh, was searching, decided to search for a movie and saw Prey pop up in Disney Plus and it, it didn't hit me straight away. I was like, oh, it must be a new Marvel movie or something, which it isn't interesting to me, to be honest. Sorry, guys. I know I've just probably lost a whole bunch of listeners right there. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, then I clicked on it and was like, oh my fucking God. It's the prequel to Predator, the movie I've been waiting for. Now, from the backtracking a little bit here, now from the, from the preview um, and also reading a little bit about it, I knew it was set in the 1700s following a, a Comanche tribe. I knew that much. And I thought, straight away, I thought, that's cool. That's a unique spin idea, whatever you want to call it. So I was already very intrigued by that and where, and where it would go with those ideas, how it would be executed and all that kind of stuff, you know. How would the action play out? You know, no guns, no explosions. Like, what's it going to be? Is it going to be sort of piss weak? Um, and we'll get to that. But I was definitely intrigued. And from the opening scenes of this movie, um, I think what I was struck by first and most impressed by first was the cinematography. Absolutely beautifully filmed. Really, I can't even articulate it. I'm not... I'm not I don't have a great vocabulary like our dear friend Big was, um, but it, it it just spoke to me. It was it was. This sounds weird to say, but it was like watching moving art. You know, that's probably probably a bit cheesy, but that's what it felt like. It was a different feel to the movie. It wasn't it wasn't fast paced. 
it didn't jump straight into action. Um, yeah, it was like, I don't know if you guys have seen Dances with Wolves with uh, Kevin Costner, but it had that kind of feel. And as I said before, I can't quite pinpoint or articulate how it made me feel, but it made me feel something and it made me feel something different to what I was expecting. I was expecting fast-paced action straight in, like what's going to happen, you know? And it wasn't that. But at the same time, it wasn't slow. So the first half of the movie, it isn't slow. It's just a, a good, steady build. You get to know the characters. You get to know the area where they live, the forest. You get to know the threats. So some of the animal scenes, man, there's some amazing scenes. Sorry, I'm hopping all over the place a little bit. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> it's not going to be a well-structured uh, breakdown of the movie, okay? If you if you want that, I'm sure that's out there. But this is just a fanboy sort of gushing and jumping from one thing to the next. Um, <laughs> so if you like that kind of thing, then stick with it. Um, come along for the journey. Um, I read uh, just the other day about the the animal scenes or, or more specifically the CGI in this movie, Prey, and it was kind of getting bagged a little bit. Now, obviously, there's always going to be um, all sorts of opinions out there about every single thing. And, and of course, just because I love this movie doesn't mean everyone's going to love this movie. There's also a lot of wankers out there. <laughs> No, no, no. Each to their own, as I always say. But what I read was that um, a lot of people said that the CGI was overused, especially in the animal scenes. Now, I'm I'm on the other end of that. I feel like the CGI was actually quite subtle. I know there was a lot there. The special effects were all there, but it wasn't in your face. It wasn't overdone, in my opinion. Not not at all. Um, I think the animal scenes were very believable. Yes, they were dynamic and all that kind of thing, but they, but they, yeah, it it didn't it didn't scream. Look at me! Look how much CGI we've got! Look how clever we are with our CGI! Like a lot of movies today tend to do. This one didn't do that. I felt like it was all very believable, especially the scene with the bear. Man. I was edge of my seat in the bear scene, but also the wolf chasing the hare. That was great as well, or rabbit might be. I think it's a hare because it's got longer ears. Anyway, I don't know if that's an actual. I'm no. I'm no David Attenborough, guys. Um, but even that scene, I thought was very well done. Like, yes, you can like you analyze it and go, "Well, it's not real," but it, of course. And guess what, guys? The predator isn't actually real either. <laughs> but. I felt like all the animal scenes played out really, really well. And I like, when I watch a movie, I try to read the story behind the story, if that makes sense. So what the animal scenes are saying to me is that there's a predator and there's a prey, whether it's a wolf and a hare or a bear or a human and a human or a predator, alien, <laughs> and a human or anything else it decides to hunt down. Now, I've only just found out recently that um, this movie, Prey, has been in development for six years. Dan Trachenberg, uh, the director and co-writer, um, said that this has been a real passion project for him. He's a big fan of the franchise, specifically uh, 1987 Predator. Um, 
And for a lot of the research he did, he actually focused on uh, another um, franchise of a uh, favorite franchise of mine, which is the Star Wars franchise. More specifically, the prequels: um, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. Uh, he wanted to sort of analyse those and go, okay, at one point they were sort of received very badly when they were first first, um, released. Um, But in more recent years, the characters and the style of the film and and the use of the CGI has been re-evaluated by fans and critics all over the world. And a lot of them are sort of now, I guess, comparing those first three movies to the last three Star Wars movies and going, hmm, well, maybe the first three weren't actually that bad. (laughs) So therefore, I think Dan Trachenberg was very conscious of what the expectations might be and how he was going to manage those and how he was going to put his own sort of spin on things but with, with still paying tribute or, or homaging, you know, the original ideas and concepts of the Predator. Um, and I think he did exactly that. I think he, it was, a, it was a nice mix of what we know the Predator to be, but also a completely fresh new setting, um, choosing a tribe of Comanches, battling out. I mean, we know, what well, I mean, excuse my naivety, but, what I know of Native Americans and other indigenous tribes, I'm sure, are they're hunters. They're natural predators of the prey they hunt and kill and use for meat and, and fur and blah, blah, blah. And I think spinning that around that they become the hunted is so cool. Like it's such a, it's such a cool concept, just as cool as a concept Um of having these elite commandos in the jungle somewhere and being hunted down. You know, it's it's same, same, but at the same time, very, very different. So it felt really fresh. It felt new and exciting. Now, as I was watching it tonight, um, I sort of, you know, it sort of dawned on me, which is a bit of a duh moment. It dawned on me um, that obviously when we watch these movies, we know the good guys are going to win. We know the bad guy is going to come to a very bad end usually. Uh, but I guess it's about the journey, isn't it? We, know, we kind of, you know, we know what's going to happen. But how we get there is the important part, is the exciting part, is the bit that keeps us guessing. And that's, again, that's what this movie did exceptionally well because there was lots of surprises. There was lots of little things we go, oh, geez, I wasn't expecting that, you know? And that's what you want from a movie, from a good movie. Like, I reckon it's about halfway through the movie before we actually see the Predator attack the Comanches, the Comanche warriors or huntsmen, whatever you want to call them. And from that point forward, it's go, go, go. It's, it's battle after battle. It's, you know, a battle to the death. It's, it's dark. It's grim. It's intense. One thing I really love about Prey is, uh, as I've mentioned, you know, it, it's a tribe of Comanche warriors. So they've got bow and arrows. They've got spears. They've got knives. They've even got some sharpened up skulls <laughs> from, from animals they've killed or whatever. And... You know, it's bare basics. It's basic weaponry. It's primeval 
weaponry, you know. That's cool. That's a cool element. Like I said earlier on in the beginning of the show, you sort of go, hmm, okay, so there's no explosions, there's no guns, what are they going to... But the way they fight, they fight with passion. They fight with skill, you know. It really does make it feel like, ah, I don't know. I, I guess you can pull a trigger from a mile away, really, you know, take a shot at someone. But up close and personal... That's a whole different level. That's a whole different game, you know? <laughs> and what I really appreciate is the fact that um, the Predator is still, in, in this particular movie, is still elite. He's still more advanced, but it's not the Predator we see in 1987. It's not the Predator we see in 1990 when Predator 2 came out. Um, it's, a, it's a more basic version and I think that's cool. Still more advanced than the Comanches, but still basic compared to all the other movies we see, you know? There's no iconic uh, plasma caster, for example, the little cannon thing mounted on the Predator's shoulder. Um, but, and he hasn't got the, uh, he's, got, he's still got the three, I don't know what you call it, like the three laser thing. <laughs> That's a, that's a great description. Um, you still got that, but instead of having the lasers, it's shooting arrows or bolts, whatever you want to call them, um, darts. Excellent. Like, that, that, that's cool. That's a cool little adaption from the original idea that I really appreciated. I'm going to go to a quick break. Uh, I still got some more stuff to talk about uh, in regards to Prey. And at the end of this um, little segment, at the end of my segment anyway, I'm going to be um, talking about what I'd like to see in, a, in another instalment of Predator. So stick around, guys. Amber Midthunder, the main character of this movie, um, not counting the Predator, um, was absolutely outstanding in this movie. Uh, she played Nauru, the character Nauru. And for me, it was very reminiscent of watching like Sigourney Weaver in the Aliens franchise, another fantastic franchise. Um, Jodie Foster in um, Silence of the Lambs, you know, good, strong gritty heroines who I guess are not only battling aliens and, and monsters and, and horrifying things, um, but also standing up against the man, you know, not to sound too woke about it. <laughs> I can't stand the term woke. Anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, it is. I mean, she's, you know, she's a warrior woman um, in a man's world who's trying to prove herself, that uh, prove to herself and to others around her that she can be a hunter. She's just as tough, if not better, than all the men, you know, in the tribe. She's got it. She's got that grit. She's got that determination. She's got the skills. So why not give her a go? You know, um, her brother, can't remember who plays her brother, unfortunately, but he's fantastic as well. They're all, all great actors. Um, he's the only one that sort of has faith in her 
and encourages her and all that kind of stuff, as a good brother should. One interesting thing I found on a, a screenrant.com talking about Prey um, is this little article. As Prey is set in the Comanche Nation in the 1700s, according to Slash Film, Trachenberg and the studio weren't entirely sure how to handle the language in the movie. The director almost went down the hunt for Red October route, which sees Russians speaking Russian to establish who they are and then switches to speaking English so it's easier on the audience. However, the director decided to give viewers an option as both a Comanche language and English language version are available on Hulu. This meant Prey literally doubled its workload and the actors had to perform scenes in both Comanche and English. And it's my understanding that this is the first time anything like that has ever been done. And I think that's, I don't know, I think that's fresh and unique and cool as well, you know. The introduction of the French trappers I thought was was cleverly done um, because they are speaking French, their native tongue to one another, and we as the viewer have no idea what they're saying. When I first watched it, I actually was, I was thinking, oh, maybe I'm meant to have the subtitles on here on Disney+, Plus, you know, and uh, I tried and it didn't work. And then I realised after the fact that that was an intentional thing to sort of, I guess, represent the fact that they really are the aliens in this world. You know, I thought that was a cool, like I said earlier on in in, uh, me, in this discussion, looking at the story behind the story, um, looking at it deeper rather than just going, oh, it's an alien and it kills people. You know, like I like to look into things a little bit more on a deeper level, I guess. So you've got the Comanches hunting to live. You've got the trappers hunting to get paid. You've got the predator hunting for trophies. <laughs> and then put that all in one big mix and you've got one awesome, awesome movie, a prequel to another equally awesome movie. Like, you know, I'm sure it's happened to you guys many times before where you you watch a movie, you love it, and then the sequel comes out and it's screwed. Like, you just go, what? They're just clearly cashing in, you know, on the name, on the brand, whatever, on the idea. Um, <laughs> we see it time and time again. And sometimes it works, you know, it, de it definitely does work. Like Terminator, for example. Terminator 2, brilliant, you know. Um, Die Hard 2, you know, there's, there's a whole plethora of films out there that have done it well. But equally so, there's also many, many where the sequel you just go, what was, why? Like Speed 2, for example. <laughs> Under Siege 2, you know. Get fucked. Anyway. <laughs> I could go on, but I won't. I'm going to uh, <laughs> I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about um, where I'd like, or no, where not where I'd like this particular idea to go, but I guess my own idea for a Predator movie. You are listening to Fly on the Wall podcast. My name is Luke. You would have heard Big Was in the first half of episode 174. I think he was talking Blade Runner, which 
funnily enough, was an was an absolute um, coincidence that he was deciding to talk about a particular movie, and I was deciding to talk about a particular movie. It's just one of the uncanny things between us, us two brothers. Um, anyway, so let's wrap it up. I bloody love the movie. If you haven't seen it, you need to see it. If you're a fan of the Predator series, you need to see it. If you're a, fra- a fan of uh, science fiction movies, you need to see it. If you're a fan of movies, full stop, you need to see Prey, okay? I'd love to hear, if you haven't seen it already or if you've seen it already, I'd love to hear what you think about it because for me, it's movie of the year. Movie of 2022 is Prey for me, 100%. Um, and I've seen, whoa, I've watched... Now, obviously, a lot of the movies I've watched, are, uh, I'm re-watching movies and blah, blah, blah. So, But I've watched now in total around about 168 movies. And honestly, Prey tops all of them. Absolutely love it. I can't rave about it enough. Anyway, I wanted to... So since I've watched Prey, I've been my brain, you know, I'm, I'm an imaginative person, a creative person. So my brain has been all over the place with ideas about how I would want to see this uh, new direction sort of go or, or my, what, what kind of movie would I love to release and all that kind of thing. Not that I could, I'd love to, but definitely don't have the means to. Um, and Big Was and, uh, and his eldest son, Maddie, they actually... Um, have a great idea for a Predator movie. I won't, I won't say it here because it's not my place. It's their place to talk about it and I hope that they do talk about it on the podcast at some point. Um, they've got a really, really cool idea and funnily enough, it wasn't too far away from the setting of Prey. I'll just say that. But yeah, some cool ideas. Anyway, so I've, you know, I've been, yeah, pondering pondering and pondering and pondering what I would do. And my, my first sort of go-to, I guess, was a bit sort of stock. I was thinking it could be like a gladiatorial type setup. So you've got the predator facing off with all different adversaries from human to, or different types of skilled humans, could be a ninja, could be, I don't know, whatever, um, a, an SAS dude, all sorts of things, you know, just to pit them against each other. Uh, even another alien, even a completely different alien species we've never seen before. Um, maybe even bring in like, I don't know, some mythical type creatures like a troll. Um, I don't know. Anyway, I was getting, <laughs> as you can tell, I was getting pretty carried away. Um, but then the more I thought about it, the more I thought, no, 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 why don't we turn it completely upside down on its head and imagine the predator's world all right it's their world imagine just think close your eyes right now and think about what kind of world they would have obviously quite advanced much more advanced than whatever's going on with the human race on planet earth much more advanced are they but are they still very tribal in the way they think the way they um, their constructs and and their infrastructure and and the way they go about their life. Um, anyway, so ha- have that in the back of your head. Now, imagine that humans in the future have landed on that planet and have decided, like we always do, hmm, this place looks all right. We'll take it for ourselves. <laughs> 
And the predators become the prey. So their numbers are dwindling because of our, you know, our weaponry, our weapons of mass destruction, let's call them. Um, and we've obliterated this planet. <laughs> it's that's pre pretty savage, pretty heartbreaking, but that's what we've done. As a human race, we're looking for somewhere new to live. We've found this planet, a thriving, healthy planet, and we go, yep, we'll take that. But oh, there's some uh, indigenous folk there that we need to eliminate, uh, <laughs> as is our way. Um, so, so we turn it on its, on its head completely and the predator becomes the prey, as I, as I mentioned. And suddenly, us as the audience are watching it and really hoping that the predators win, that the predators kick ass and reclaim their own planet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just I kind of think that would be an interesting an interesting take. Maybe I can give Dan Trachenberg a call and say, look, mate, I've got the best idea for you, mate. <laughs> I know you've had some ideas and they're great, but this one is going to knock them for six. Um, <laughs> anyway, guys, that's it for me for episode 174. I hope, hope you've enjoyed my gushing. That sounds a bit sick, actually. You know what I mean. I hope you've enjoyed me raving about my favourite movie of uh, 2022. I am going to watch Prey again, probably before the month's out. I love it that much. Uh, so cool. So good. I really hope you've all enjoyed it as well. And if you haven't quite yet seen it, then um, you need to, like I said before. And look, oh yes, I don't think I said it, but if you... I'd love to hear your, your thoughts. So email me, the fly on the wall podcast, one, one at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram um, over on fly on the wall podcast, one, one with an underscore between each of the words. Yeah. I'd honestly love to hear your take, your thoughts, your opinions on the movie. Pray be good to yourselves. Be good to your goats. <laughs>